going to read Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. We see what, we'll, what we're going to learn from Ruth tonight is principles. We'll see three principles here in approaching uh, marriage. Three principles in approaching marriage from uh, chapter 3 of Ruth. Here we go. Ruth chapter 3. <clears throat> and again, she was a Moabitess. She was married to an Israeli and her Israeli husband died, and her brother-in-law died, and her father-in-law died, and she made a faith choice to go away from her land, her old life, a faith choice to embrace the true and living God and to go into His country and embrace His ways alongside the companionship of her, her grieving mother-in-law. And it's quite a story. And that's what she does. She makes a faith decision. She demonstrates virtue in her character. She works in the field as a person impoverished to help provide for herself and her mother-in-law. She begins to find favor in the eyes of a, uh, the owner of the field, whom she didn't even know. And it looks like this is going to be a, a match made by the Lord. And um, <clears throat> we see some of his character developing, or we see some of his character on display. Boaz treated her right, his employees right, his wealth right. And that's what we noticed last week, the character of Boaz. He was, he was righteous with his wealth, with his workers, and with women. And now in chapter 3, we're going to see them interacting a little bit more. And the idea of marriage comes up, but we learn some things about it. All right, here we go. Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put on thy raiment, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And he said, and she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, will I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. We're in verse 8 of Ruth chapter 3. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and, and, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed, me, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than, than at the beginning. And as much as thou followest not young men, whether, rid, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman... Well, let him do the kinsman's part. 
But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came in to the floor. Also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he, to me, gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. You know, how many of us have flown in an airplane? Raise your hand if you've ever flown in an airplane. All right. How many of you never flown? Let me see. A couple. A couple. Three. Like, uh. One of the things about flying in an airplane is not just taking off, but it's landing, right? And you don't just land like this, all right? You know, you don't just land anyway. There's an approach. We live near a flight path. We can, actually, we see the flight path that goes into Williams Gateway Airport, kind of swings by us. And then I see another flight path that's going to uh, Sky Harbor, kind of goes the uh, northwest route, flies near us, and I can see them coming, doing their approach. In fact, I've been on that approach before and gotten kind of queasy, you know, going like this, bouncing my way in. But um, anyway, so we go like that, and People, they, they, they have a, they're, they're, there's a certain approach that these uh, commercial airlines have to take. And it depends on the size of the, the, the airspace, too. But they don't just come in and say, yep, yeah, just land it down, you know. Uh, there's a certain approach you have, an elevation that you descend to, to make it as smooth and as safe as possible. And a speed and a pitch and, you know, the, I don't know the exact technical terminology, but the angle of the plane and the speed and coming in and, and all that. And it depends sometimes on the temperature so that they can land safely and successfully. There's an approach. Same thing with marriage. There's an approach. Well, there's an approach to a lot of things in life that are important. But there's a good approach to marriage. You can just shoot off and just land in one any old way, but it might be kind of messy. You ever seen a messy landing of a plane? Usually makes it on the news, right? A plane came in today on its belly, you know, and those things go out the side and kids get a slide down the thing finally. You know, uh, you know, there's sometimes messy landings, but it's good to have a, a, a good approach and a good landing. So here, Ruth is pitched in the right way. She's aimed in the right way. And now she's on this. She knows there's a, there's a potential landing spot here with this guy. And she's doing this final approach with her and this guy, and it's a good um, approach to marriage. So we're going to see three principles. We looked at the character of Boaz last time. So we're going to look at three principles in approaching marriage. Some people approach marriage, by the way, go click to the next couple screens. Some people approach marriage flippantly, just like they approach other things, like buying a car. I'm going to go buy a car, you know, and they just flippantly buy a car. Some people do. Some people flippantly buy other things. Um, Some people approach marriage flippantly and casually or without advice. It's good to get advice. Well, here's some principles. Number one, we see a Ruth... This is a, isn't this pretty cool? Do you ever see, see this here? She's like, she kind of is, 
find this guy, and he seems like he's the right guy here. And he's like, no, wait, we got to find, we got to wait on this. There's another guy that could, that could uh, take you, so let's just wait. And she's waiting. But this looks like a really kind of, a, you know, you're kind of on the edge of your seat. I mean, we know how the story ends, but you're kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? Well, first of all, we see the first part, the first four verses, we see Ruth approached marriage with good advice. She had, some, she had a Naomi in her life telling her some advice. One of three principles here in approaching marriage is get some good advice. <laughs> Here's some advice on approaching marriage. Number one, get advice. All right? That's what she's doing. Ruth is approaching it with good advice. Let's look at two aspects of the advice she got. Verses 1 through 4, she gets biblical advice, then she gets personal advice kind of tailored to her. She gets biblical advice, and then she gets personal advice that's tailored to her. First of all, notice there in chapter 3, verse 1, Naomi, her mother-in-law, says, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? That's saying, hey, don't I'm, I want what's best for you. I want you to find a landing spot here with a husband. And so now the next thing she says is from a biblical angle. Verse 2, and now is not Boaz the best-looking dude ever and really rich, filthy rich? Go after him. She didn't say that. She's speaking from an angle. He, he, what, he may have been good-looking. I don't know. He was de- it seemed like he was older and unmarried, and he was wealthy. But what was the appeal? Okay, he fits the framework biblically. Uh, my daughter, I don't... It's in my heart to help you land in a good marriage. Shall not I seek rest for thee? And now, is not Boaz, the first thing that's guiding her speech is, doesn't he line up with this issue now? He's within our kindred. She's speaking from the, the, the framework of the Jewish scriptures, our scriptures, that spoke about when a widow dies, the next thing that can happen or that, has, that can happen is that should happen is that you look for the the you can look for the brother of her of her husband that had died or the next one closer or maybe a cousin or whatever. There's this kinsman that goes down the line. In this case, Ruth, being the widow, didn't have another her brother-in-law to marry her who could have. It was somebody else through her father-in-law's family, Limelech. And so Naomi says, "Look, biblically speaking, we got a guy." Boaz, isn't he one that would qualify here? She says, look at verse 2, Is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou wast? You, you hung out, you got to know this guy, and, and he, was, he, he's, he fits the, the parameters here of you being married to him. She was thinking according to Scripture. That's how we need to think when you're going to make a decision. Quit thinking how you feel, first of all. Think how what God said. You know, God said that all the Scripture... All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, not by impulse of, of a trend. It's given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness and doing right things. God, I know it's not like we're in a Baptist church, this goes without saying, but it, but it, it, it should be being said more and more that sometimes we're still, we wave our Bibles around, but we still go out there and do whatever we want. And especially when it comes to the marriage, it's like, what is God saying to me? What is He saying in, on, the, on marriage itself? And then what is He saying particularly to me? So here, what's she doing? What is this girl doing here? This is when she met him at the, the grain floor. She, had, she came there and is in dealing with him 
with some biblical advice downloaded into our brain and in our heart. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you're going to get married kids and younger ones and whatever age we are, if you're going to have to deal with marriage, think what are God's basic framework. And the basic framework we're going to look at here in the next point. But she's taking good She's taking advice. That's a thought. You know that he that you know what the Proverbs say? He that refuses counsel because he knows it all. No, it says he that refuses counsel is a fool. But he that hearkens to counsel is wise. Hearken to counsel. Uh, um, Let's look at this. Look in Proverbs. uh, Follow me, please. You can hold your place. The idea of us getting a Naomi-type person speaking into our life is good. Uh, look in Proverbs, a couple of Proverbs. Proverbs 1.5. Proverbs 1.5. All right, let's get a volunteer to read it. Proverbs 1.5, who wants to read it? Johnny's elbowing Chris. Adam's got it first. Proverbs 1.5. All right, wise men will hear. Increase learning, that's good. I suppose the opposite is true. A foolish man's not going to listen. All right, let's go to Proverbs eleven fourteen. Need a need a volunteer to read? Proverbs eleven fourteen. Calder. All right, where there's no guiding counsel, voices speaking in, the people fall. But the multitude counselors, there's safety. Let's go to Proverbs 13, 18. Need a volunteer there. Proverbs 13, 18. Chris. There you go. That's a good verse. Poverty. The guy's, eh, don't tell me what to do, man. Well, okay, you got poverty and shame coming in your life. And he that, but he that regardeth reproof. That means you just at least regard it. Somebody's reproving you. Let's take it in, okay? All right, all right, all right. About 90% of that was true. Thank you for that. Maybe 100%. Maybe 1% was true and you needed it. He that regardeth reproof shall be honored. All right, let's look at Proverbs 15, 32. One more, one more reader, please. Proverbs 15, 32. Who wants to read? All right, get a new one. All right, Caleb. All right. This is now her story is going to turn out well because of God. God's coordinating this, but it's also she is choosing to listen to good advice. She's listening to biblical advice. She's listening to personal advice. Notice what mom-in-law says. Go back to Ruth. There. Mom-in-law says, hey, Boaz is a candidate, qualifies. And then she says, now therefore, here's where he's at. He's over here working. She, she tailors where Ruth is. She takes where Ruth is and sees her scenario and says, okay, now here's the things you need to do in this situation. This dude is at the end of his work season. He's got a heap of corn. It's been winnowed out. That means they've been, they scatter it, they thresh it, and it's separating the chaff from the wheat. He's hanging out over there in his barn. And... Um, so don't just go storming in there saying, all right, Sonny, 
You're supposed to marry me. The Bible says so. I mean, she could, she could come like that, a little sassy, and it's, insist on her Bible rights. No. Ruth says, here's how you're going to do this. I mean, Naomi says, here's how you're going to do it. Clean yourself up. Take a shower. Put on your perfume. Oh, and put on some clothes, he said. That's a good idea, too, that some people have forgotten that part nowadays. Put on, wash thyself, anoint thee, anoint thee and put raiment on thee. Cover yourself up. And then get down to the floor, and then don't just, just let him finish eating and drinking. Let him finish his deal. He's going to lay down and rest. And just when everything's good, then what you do is you go down there, and she's teaching her how to, um, how to basically propose in this. This is a proposal. It's very unique. This is not all, always like this, but to biblically propose to him. So he's there. He's worked, he's at this pile of corn, he's eaten, he's, she didn't interrupt his work, she's being respectful, she's not coming in there demanding, and she, she, there's, there was a, there's a cultural thing here. She will lift up his garment off his feet, she'll lay down right by his feet, and just stay there. It is the act of a servant. She's doing the act of a servant. It's basically saying... Um, Take me to be your wife. I totally put all my trust in you. I'm a widow. You know that. And so now I'm presenting, I'm entreating you to take, to fulfill your kinsman duty toward me. She's respectfully entreating him to step up and do the biblical kinsman duty of taking her as his wife. So she's tailored. She says, here's how you're going to do that, though. You go do this, get yourself cleaned up and clothed, and go at this time, at this place. So it's good advice. Now let's just stop for a minute. Okay, so Ruth approached marriage with good advice. So for me, I'm obligated to give my kids. So I got my fourth one's getting married this next month. And then I got four more dudes. And you never know. You never know what charity. You never know. A very special young man might come. My friend, I said, we never know. But anyway, so, so I, I, I realized for me and for thus, all, all of us really that are adults, we qualify to pe- people that we know, give them a little advice. And, and you guys that aren't married, you qualify to receive it. Receive a little advice and listen to it. And first is biblical advice and then personal advice is, 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 is helpful. There's been a few people I've dealt with years ago in this church who uh, they despised their own soul. There was one, that girl got involved in some clown, and this guy was a deceiver. His, or I talked to her dad, her dad about her seeing this one guy, and, um, and, his, and her dad said, this guy is bad news. Mm-mm. He told me a little, and then I went and met this guy, got to know him a little bit, and I agreed. And I warned her, I said, you need to separate from this. They started living together, and she wouldn't, and it didn't, just less than a year, maybe some months, they were married and broke up, and it was a disaster. And the problem was, she just did not want to listen. Like, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And I know that the, the emotions are, man, they're very strong, very strong. And she was overtaken. Uh, by her emotions and chose to say no to some Bible, clear Bible scriptures and some wise advice. And then, um, anyways, we'll stop right there. But, but others that take advice, it's good. With good advice, you go into something. 
And so if you're, if you're always one to kind of gather advice before you do anything, that's wise. Number two, another principle in approaching marriage is she, number two, availed herself to the right person. She made herself available to the right person. In other words, she didn't say, you know what? I'm going down to the Bethlehem bar, the Bethlehem nightclub, you know, the Bethlehem honky-tonk or whatever. I don't know. That's where I'm going. Find me a good man. No, she had already put herself in the right. But she, she, in fact, you don't even think in marriage as far as we can tell. She's just working in the field. God coordinated this thing. But she kept herself around the right type of person. That's what she's doing. She didn't leave the field. Remember, Mama-in-law says to stay here. Stay with uh, Boaz in his field. So here she is. She's, she's coming. And look what it says there. Uh, she, oh, by the way, verse 5 says, she says, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. She says, I'll, I'll take that advice. And now she puts to action the advice, and she's availing herself to a person who's a good person. She went down. Look at what it says, verse 6. She went down into the floor, did according to all that her mother-in-law said, Bade her, and when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the corn. He, she went to lie down at the, uh, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly, uncovered her feet, and laid down. He, he didn't even know it. Okay, so they don't have night lights. I don't think there was a full moon. There may have been. But all of a sudden at midnight, verse 8 says, the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He wakes up. I mean, grains flying everywhere. Who's that? You know, you know, because sometimes thieves, that's, by the way, they think he was there to protect it from thieves coming in to take the grain. What in the world's a woman here for? And what does he say? Who art thou? She answered, I'm Ruth, thy handmaid. He couldn't see. And so, now, again, her language here, she's not saying something sexually suggestive. This is not inappropriate what she's saying. It's bold but it's not inappropriate. She says, I'm Ruth thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. So the idea of spreading your skirt over somebody. When a man, even in I think Jewish ceremonies now, they do a thing where they'll throw their garment over their spouse. It's a sign of ownership and protection. And, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm uh, taking care of you. She's basically saying, I am here. Um, Take me as your wife and uh, do the duty of a kinsman. And, um, and it's kind of a, her way of, it's a, her, from her angle, proposing. And so he, he answers. He answers her back and he gives these compliments about her. Now we're going to stop right there. What is she doing? She's down at a place and she's bitten herself around a person who already qualifies to be the right kind of spouse. There's two big qualifiers to, be a, to marry the right type of person as a Christian. I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. You're going to marry somebody. Two big things are, number one, saved. All right? You've got to be saved. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Even, it's a ni- even if it's a nice unbeliever and appealing and good-looking and all that, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. If you do get yoked as a Christian with an unsaved person, well, don't get divorced either at that point. Paul teaches some, gives some counsel on that. But number one, she's, there's two big qualities, is that she's availing herself to a man who's already a Christian. Guys in here, girls in here, just already write it down in your heart. God 
God's first guideline for me and my spouse. One first guardrail is I got to be finding a person who's a believer. I can't go outside that guardrail. The next guardrail is what you see else in Ruth that Ruth's dealing with. She's dealing with a guy who's got really good character. Those two guardrails are keeping her in the right direction. On the right, he's saved. And on the left, he's acting like he's got good character. Now, I've got five points that show his good character. We showed a little bit last week. But number one, he's got tried and proven character. He's, that he's submitted to God's law. This guy, if you notice what he's doing, he's following God's law. Even when he told her that there's another kinsman, he says, he, 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 he basically, you know, he's, he's yielding to that. That's saying, I'm going to go with God's word. Number one, he's, he's, he shows good character in that he's submitted to God's law more than his passions. Number two, he shows good character in that he loves something in her that's called virtue. Look what he says. <clears throat> Verse 10, Blessed be thou, the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not the young men, whether poor or rich. So he's complimenting her because it looks like um, he's older than her, and she could have been chasing these younger guys that were poor or rich. But he, he sees that she's making a virtuous choice and that she's going for somebody who's already in that parameter of being a kinsman, even though he's probably older. And then he says, and now my daughter, fear not, verse 11, I will do to thee all that thou requirest because all the people of my city doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. What is he saying that he's going to, why was he saying, I do want to marry you? It's, he's saying, I want to marry because everybody, I know and everybody knows you're a virtuous woman. By the way, that's another way to see, watch this. Sometimes we don't know what people are like just doing, can I, I wanna, guys, listen up to me. You know, sometimes you date people dated and all that, and there's different definitions of dating. We don't believe in dating according to blah, 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 whatever. Okay, the whole idea is be always isolated with one person the whole time. There's a couple dangers in it. But one of them is you don't really know that person. If you date and you're only isolated, you won't really know. They're going to make sure they're all framed just right for you for those moments. Okay? There's other problems with it, but they're going to always frame it. So if you're always just isolated little dating game, there's a problem with that. One of the better things to do is deal with somebody in group settings and in multiple types of settings. At church, at work, with a group, with their family, with your family, with a sport. When it's stressful, when they're hungry, when they're thirsty, how do they really act? How do they really act? Instead of, oh, you took a fresh shower, you got your cologne on, you gave me flowers and going to the nice place and eat. I don't, that isn't going to tell me much about you. You know? Oh, we, we both like, uh, you know, the garlic mashed potatoes. So what? You know, I, there's more to learn. You got to put somebody on the road and drive them, run over some hard paths, see what they're really like like a car. And so this guy's got proven character. She spent some time with him. <laughs> he loved virtue. He's like, I like all the people know that you're a virtuous woman. Her virtue's been proven with other people. She's hanging, she's, so she's availing herself one with, with proven character and that he submits to God's law. He loves virtue. He's honest about his situation. <clears throat> this guy's not lying about his life. So she comes in, she basically says, uh, can you, 
I request you mere marriage to me as my kinsman. And um, I totally put myself in your, in your, I put my fate in your hands. Would you take me? And he answers, boy, you're a virtuous woman. Everybody knows that. <coughs> but <coughs> I got something I got to tell you. Uh, I got to be honest with you. There's somebody else that could take you. He's not starting out this relationship by lying. He could have said, let's do this. And I don't know what kind of legal trouble they would have been in, but he could have forgot about the other kinsman who's in front of him and just went along. But that would have been built on a lie. She may have come back later on and said, why didn't you tell me that? I don't know. But he says, i got to be honest with you. There's somebody else that could marry you. And what they do in the story, and we'll see next time, is that he goes over and he approaches them, goes to, has this kind of legal gathering, and, and they hash it out, and the guy ends up saying no. But he's being honest here. He's being honest about his life, about his situation. Some people, I've seen, I've seen it happen when people get married, and then they find out this guy had multiple skeletons in his closet. Actually, there's a... I knew somebody, they got married to somebody, and they had multiple legal things and they never told the girl they married and it was a major problem and it's not that you if you have legal problems or some criminal record look you can redeem from that you can reform but it just means if you go to repro go to marry somebody you just say this is my package yeah. and we want to give me a little time to prove my good character now we can do that if not then i'm going to move on but don't lie. You can't build a relationships on lies. So she's availing herself a man who's honest. And then uh, quick, quick, two more quick points. He's prudent in his behavior toward her. This whole night, he's being prudent with her. He's not touching her. He's not messing around with her. He's not acting married to someone that he's not. This is a good principle. And not all kids that I've even advised have, have taken this advice, but it's right advice is that you should never act married to someone that you're not married to. Never act like you're married to someone that you're not married to. It's just, it's not wise. Um, when you're two single people that are seeing each other, don't act married until you are. And, um, and, I, and I have a problem when people do that. And it's, and it's, uh, it, it's good to wait until you're married to act like married. It's more... It's just more of God's way, and it's, I think it's more blessed. So that's what he's doing. He's being prudent toward her. And then the next thing, quickly, he took interest in the potential in-laws. He, he took interest in her mother-in-law. Hey, take some extra grain for mom-in-law. You know, it's good to... I, I've seen this happen, too, with couples. You know, you've got a, husband, you've got a guy and a girl, and they're courting or whatever and everything, and, and, and the guy... If the guy's always avoiding the, the potential in-laws, that's a problem. You don't, don't avoid the potential in-laws. If you girls are dating some guy or courting and whatever, and he's being all good, but he didn't want to talk to your dad, what's wrong with that guy? You don't want to talk to my dad? Come on, man. Man up. That's why dad, this is, girls, this is why dads try to act all tough about it. Yeah, when he comes over, I'm going to show him my shotguns. You know what the dads are saying? They're saying, man, if he can pass me, he can handle anything. That's what your dads are saying. You know, and they want to see, can this guy pass the test of me? Because dads think that me is the big thing that, you know, like this will be the test. And, and so, but anyway, honestly, if a guy avoids that girl, he just wants the girl and he avoids it. That's a problem. 
That's a problem. The same thing with the girl. That's a problem. Uh, but he doesn't. You know, he's not afraid to mingle with in, potential in-laws there. So this girl takes good advice. She's availing herself to the right person. Then last of all, she sits still. Number three, she has to sit still long enough to just verify that God's hand is in this. She sits still just long enough to say, all right, God's hand really is in this. So look at verse 18. She comes home. Uh, actually, verse 16, she comes home, she walks in the door, and mom-in-law says, hey, what's your new last name now? Who art thou, my daughter? Who art thou? Do you got a new last name? Are you Mrs. Boaz? And uh, Ruth said, no, here's what happened. And, and she tells her the whole story. I went in there, did like you said, and he was all scared at midnight and didn't know who I was. And he's like, what's going on? I said, well, I'm your, uh, would please take me as your wife, and you're the near kinsman, and I just give myself to you. And he told me the story about having some other, there's another nearer kinsman. And, um, and he said he's going to go, go check with him. And, and then, so mother-in-law says, uh, uh, oh, and he gave me all this food too. We got probably another couple weeks of food, mom. And then mom-in-law says, verse 18, this is the thing I want you to see. Then said she, Naomi to, to Ruth, sit still, my daughter. I sit. The kids, anybody say sit still tonight? Sit still. Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest till he have finished the thing this day. So, and actually the next 24 hours go into chapter 4. What is she saying? She's saying, when she went home, she said, just wait. Just find, we just, we're, we're almost landed here. Don't blow it. Just sit still. Don't go trying to, you know, find this other potential kinsman and turn him off or something. I don't know. Just don't go, just sit still till right to the end. Let's just be patient right through the end. That way we can see, is God's hand in this? So Ruth has to sit still. Boaz goes in the next chapter and has this formal meeting. It's actually a legal gathering in a way. And, And he has to verify whether this guy really wants to step in and take her. And Boaz assured her, he promised her by the word, as the Lord liveth, that if this guy says no, he says yes. She had to sit still. Sometimes, how many bad decisions have been made because you've been too hasty? How many of us have made bad decisions because we're too hasty or impatient? Yeah, usually it's with my mouth, you know. I made, I made many bad decisions because I've been too hasty or too impatient. Now, how many bad decisions have I made because I was too patient? I don't know. Maybe I could have bought that burger that was on sale and the sale went off because I was too patient. Not really many, right, or at all. Being too patient doesn't seem to have been detrimental for most people, but being impatient is. God, it seems like God doesn't ignore patience. He honors it. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. You have need of patience, the writer of Hebrews says. After that, you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You've heard of the patience of Job. Let the Lord is long-suffering of tender mercy. God honors patience. That's what she did just at the very end there. But the most important thing, again, is that we want to see is there's a better marriage, there's a more important marriage, and that is the one to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Ruth 
even though she's asking him, he had already, his character and his goodness had been wooing her. Isn't that like the Lord Jesus? What does it say? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. As many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart. It's talking about appealing and calling and trusting and praying to the Lord you'll be saved. But in a way, we love him because he first loved us. And no man comes to the Father except, no man comes to Jesus except the Father draw him. The Lord draws us and courts us, if you will, to himself. She depended on him. What she's going to do right now, she's depending on him to fulfill God's law on her behalf. And it'll change her life. When she's submitting herself to be married to him, she's depending on him to go fulfill some things written in God's law that will change her life. When we get saved, when we come to Jesus Christ, you're essentially believing on, trusting and depending on Jesus to fulfill all of God's demands that are on us that I couldn't do myself. And another thing she's doing, last of all, is that when she takes him as her husband, he takes her as his wife, that she's receiving a new family. She's receiving a new family and a new identity and a new life. And that's how it is with us when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We receive a new life. I'm out of the widowhood, so to speak, or the... uh, the, the state I'm in, and when I accept Christ as my Savior, I'm new and I'm taken in Him, and I have, I have new life and I have a new family, family of God and, uh, and His people. So here's three principles on approaching marriage. I hope it helps you that aren't and those that are, that we would be a blessing to others in, in advising them. 